Have you subscribed to the OTB Football Podcast? I think they will get one of those Champions League places. Should be an absolutely phenomenal achievement for Eddie Howe and his players. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. A 3-0 win for Manchester City against Bayern Munich last night and I'm delighted to say Jonathan Wilson is with us to reflect a little bit on that. Um, Jonathan, Pep Guardiola seemed happy but uh, also you know, uh, keen to point out that his, his side were bested in certain elements of the game last night and that the tie is not over. So uh, he'll be happy but um, I guess until he actually is through the tie, he's not going to be relaxed. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that is fair and I think it's a reasonable position to take. I mean, I don't think City were much better than Bayern last night. Uh, I think the difference really between the sides was that when Bayern's defence put the pressure, it, it crumbled. Uh, Upper Meccano particularly, Jan Sommer had a, a pretty mixed night, some great saves, but also looked pretty hesitant at times. Whereas City placed under pressure, defended really well in those sort of, um, I don't want to say last ditch, that makes it sound too desperate, but in those sort of very basic sort of visceral bits of defending, the putting in the blocks that they were winning the headers. Uh, so you think of that that Ruben Diaz block at nil-nil for Musiala, which is, you know, is, is a great block. Um, there was a, a couple of corners with the score at 1-0 when City bodies got in the way. It wouldn't have taken a huge amount for for one of those to go in and then maybe maybe it's a different game. But you know, City did stay strong and, and, and Bayern absolutely didn't. And we'd seen that from by in the end of the first leg against PSG, that you put them under pressure and they do wobble. Um, whether that's uh, you know a function of, of the Bundesliga being essentially quite straightforward for them and, and not going under pressure often, whether it's a function of, of the individual players, it's, it's pretty hard to say. But uh, Upper McCann, I thought, thought the World Cup as well, you know, under pressure, looked a bit iffy. And, and he had a, had a poor second half. So 3-0, it, I mean, realistically, it is over. It should be over. Um, but I can see why there's an element of caution there. And I think you know, what, what Tuchel said afterwards was also very true, that the result was was tough for them. I think tough was a word used by the interviewer, but he, he then repeated it. Um, but the performance, actually, Bayern played pretty well. It was just some individual issues ended up costing them. And, and City now with Holland have that cutting edge that, that perhaps they, they, they didn't take that kind of opportunity in previous seasons. Can we just focus a little bit on the Man City defence and the evolution of the team? Because it's it's a different style and setup, and we're seeing it in these big games now that it's not just something that he's he's doing um, in games where he expects to dominate. But the four centre backs, uh, two of whom are full backs who are happy to step into midfield, is different from having Cancelo and Walker, and even what he was talking about Walker during the week. It was very pronounced. Sometimes he says things, and then three weeks later, he's like, "Oh, I." I train the player by telling him what I wanted to do so um, maybe that will happen with Walker but it doesn't look like it at the moment what's going on there what, what, how does that change the balance of the team and why has he done it do you think I, well I think to an extent it's been forced on him uh, I think Walker has, has never been you know Walker's great strength is his pace uh, he's, you know, he's, he's great in terms of, of recovery that you can play a high line Walker and he will get back we've seen that for England as well Um but he, I don't think he has that same tactical intelligence as, say, Philip Lamb would have, where he can he can move into one of those almost a halfback role, that deep lying central midfield role. Uh, Cancelo, I think, was doing that pretty well, but then something personal clearly happened in their relationship, and Cancelo was was shipped off, and so he had to change things. 
And John Stones, he's never going to give you what Walker does going forward from right back. And I know he played centre back last night, that they, they they changed it again. But yeah, the the, the Leipzig game, that um, and then what well, the Palace game, a couple of the league games, he has been playing at, at right back. But then moving into that that Philip Lamb style uh, fullback slash halfback role. So I, I think the the basic idea of that uh, is. Guardiola is very keen, I think, when he's got the ball to try and have five five outfields behind the ball at all times. Now that will that will change over the course of the move. It doesn't have to be the same outfielders at all times, and ideally it shouldn't be. You need that 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 fluency, and that 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 mobility. But if you have those five outfielders in that three-two shape, that sort of trapezoid shape, then that is a very solid defensive base. And I think that's something that's actually been true of football going right back to the 1920s. Yeah, that's what the WM was. You had the three, the back line of three, then the two halfbacks. And that, it turns out, is a really, really solid shape. There's a reason WM endured so long. The difference between what Guardiola does and WM is that the WM was pretty rigid. The players didn't didn't move in and out of those positions. Uh, and also, there was mirrored by the, by the forward line. So it was a very straightforward, the right back picks up the left winger, the right half picks up the inside left. And so it was based on on man to man marking. Zonal marking comes in. It's the late fifties, early sixties. People realise if you have a back four, that means the fullbacks can get forward more. Gives you greater uh, flexibility and fluidity. But the the basic solidity of that shape has always been true. And even you know Conte's Chelsea, when they played that that sort of uh, we called it sort of a three four two one or three four three. But the, the the wingbacks in that were, were getting forward. They were performing the role that wingers would have done in the WM, but obviously with more defensive responsibility. So that trapezoid base, I think, is something Guardiola has always looked to, or certainly since he went to Bayern, has always looked to. Philip Lamb led him to do it at Bayern. Cancelo has led him to do it at City. And now John Stones has allowed him to do it. Um, I'd be fascinated to know his reasoning for not starting Stones at right back to do it last night. Maybe he thought against good opposition where... City weren't going to dominate the ball in the way they often do in league games, where there wasn't going to be 60, 65% possession, uh, where it's going to be near 50, 50. Maybe he thought just simplify it, have Stone stepping out from, from centre back and a Kanji can play as a, as a more orthodox right back. Um, and I think the other effect of that, which I, I, I don't know if it's a sort of unintended consequence, but Ake playing in that more orthodox role, that more defensive role than how Cancelo played, that seems to have liberated Grealish. That Grealish, I think, I mean, Greenish himself had said this. I mean, Greenish is one of those players who, um, when he actually gets a chance to talk about football and his role in the side, I think is fascinating in explaining his thought processes. And you know, he has said he found it difficult having a player coming inside him, whereas all the time at Villa was a player overlapping him, whereas Cancelo would, would come inside. And that then changes Greenish's defensive role as well. And I think one of the things he struggled with last season was, was to adjust to that new, A, that sense of responsibility, and B, the, the 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 difference in relationship with this fullback, Ake playing that in a more orthodox way it means that Grealish can can slightly go back to the Villa Grealish. He's still yeah clearly doing much more defensive work than he ever did at Villa, but he's not having to constantly look inside for is my fullback there? Is that avenue blocked? No, I can come inside now, uh, and I think that's that's why he's playing better. So it's it's partly as with all these things, I think it's partly a sort of top down theoretical. This is what we're doing. We want to get this this three two shape. Um, it's partly uh, to do with, with with personnel and personalities, individuals you know, adapting and adjusting to 
to, to the situation. That City three two five shape in possession, Jonathan. Like, did did Tuchel get his his, I guess, formation correct in dealing with that? It seemed like maybe a four two three one. He spoke about not getting much sleep in advance of the game. I don't know. Should he have slept on the on the formation a little, a little bit more? Because I'm not sure the tactics seem to work against that trapezoid shape that you mentioned. Oh, I disagree. I, I think I think Tuchel got that as. I thought I thought Bayern caused City more problems in that first half, or even the first hour, than any other side this this year. Um, you know, packing the forward areas with pace to, to try and get in behind City—that's that's where Guardiola sides can be vulnerable. Um, I think the, the the problem wasn't an issue of shape; it was an issue of of personnel. Uh, and you know, Upper Meccano, we've already talked about that. The, you know, he gives away the second goal, and then sort of you know, went into this sort of funk for the final <laughs> quarter of the game. But actually, I think the first goal was really bad individual defending. Um, you know, the, the, I'm sure the reasoning of playing the 4-2-3-1, having the two deep-lying midfielders there, having Kimmich and, and Goretzka, was to block up exactly that area where Rodri came through. Um, so I don't know why Rodri was in so much space when he picks up the ball. Um, and I'm sure Tuchel would feel that was a failure of tactics, whether he blamed himself for that or whether that's players not following the plan. You're, it's, it's difficult for us outside to know. They can argue about that. But what then happens, I think, is really, really poor. So Musiala obviously panics a bit because he sees Rodri in space, charges across. You don't really blame him for that because somebody's got to put in the challenge. But the pace he's going at means that it's easy for Rodri to turn inside him. And where I think they really let themselves down is that Kimmich is actually there. He's just very, very slow to get out to him. Now, Kimmich should have been moving out, even as Musiala's coming over, in case sort of, the ball pops loose from the challenge or in case Rodri turns inside and the ball's loose. Kimmich should be there to, 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 to snaffle that, and he's not. And then even then, Rodri has time to line up the shot, and Kimmich's very slow to get out to him, and then he turns his back. And yeah, I don't want to sound you know, old football man about turning your back, but don't turn your back. Turning your back makes you smaller. Um, and yeah, I, I, if, if he if he if he'd gone chest onto that, the the ball probably still would have gone past him, but the space wouldn't have been as big. It would have been a harder shot for for Rodri to take on. So I think Kimmich, well though he played in other aspects, I think he really really lets them down on that that first goal. And obviously, once the first goal's gone in, the whole dynamic of the game changes. So I don't think it's a that's a tactical issue. I think that's individuals failing to fill their jobs. And it, you do wonder, you know, as I said with Upper Meccano, whether it's an issue with Kimmich that he's so used to Bayern being dominant in the, in the Bundesliga that in that kind of situation, you don't need to get out to, to the Rodri figure because players playing for Bundesliga clubs can't smack the ball in the top corner from 25 yards. You can afford to give them a little bit more time. But that lack of urgency, that's not a tactical issue. That's, that's just a basic failure. Yeah, Kimmich failure defending. So a work ethic thing, because you, you see Haaland chasing down Sommer and almost getting a goal in the first half, and Grealish we mentioned earlier as well, you know, kind of blocking off that open Meccano pass for the for the second goal. So it's uh, when you say an, an individual thing, it's work ethic. Like the, the City players were just working harder yeah, than I the Bayern I think it's work ethic. Because work ethic, you know, you know, you, you could you could run eighteen kilometers in a game and sort of really put in the miles. Sorry, that's a terrible mixed metaphor. You can really put in the effort and, and run huge distances in the game. But, you know, you, you've got to be sharp in the individual moments. And it's, it's, I'm, you know, cowardice is far too strong a word. But you, you got, you know, compare, compare Kimmich's reaction to Rodri getting the space mm. to Diaz when Musiala got the space two minutes earlier. 
and Diaz gets himself out to it, makes himself big. He's facing the player. He's sort of spreading his legs, ready to go either side, and he makes the block. Kimmich half-heartedly goes, turns his back, and where Rodri sort of, sorry, uh, where Diaz made his body, you know, twice as big, Kimmich made his half as big. Um, I mean, obviously that's an exaggeration, but that has to do with, you know, with with the basics of defending and, and, and courage and alertness. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Kimmich's running stats were great for the game, but, you know, sometimes it's about putting your body on the line. Charles Giles used to talk about moral courage and uh, that's kind of what he meant. I think that's the perfect encapsulation of it. It it does then, because we were having this conversation a little bit earlier on and I, I'm not entirely convinced that the game is totally put to bed just yet. I can I can see a situation where an early goal for Bayern and suddenly it's, it's game on and it's really enthralling second leg. But at the same time, what you're talking about there is that Man City were really at it last night and that's what they need to be in the Champions League because there have been games where there hasn't been a clarity of uh, purpose because the team selection was just a little bit different from what they were used to. But that's not the case at the moment. Pep's picking the same team effectively and the same players in roughly the same position, notwithstanding the right-back and and centre-back switch. But everybody knows exactly what their job is. And that, I think, is maybe a little bit different from this part of the season and the early part of the season and also this team versus previous year's teams. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, how long he can do that, I think, is interesting because they've still got potentially 15 games to play this season. And that's, you know, if you're an Arsenal fan, I think that's the one thing that gives you hope still that, um, I mean, before last night, City had twice as many games left to play, potentially twice as many games left to play as Arsenal. Can you keep playing essentially that same 11 or same sort of 12 or 13? Because, uh, I mean, you know, Mares could have come in for Bernardo Silva. Yeah, but it, it's, you know, right, it's minor tweaks. It, even the, the Akanji Stones tweak. It's a it's a basic pattern everybody now understands, and a modification on that is much easier to to assimilate for players than, than a completely new strategy. Can you keep doing that for for the another fifteen games? I, I don't know. Maybe maybe they can, but you, you, that'd be the one slight concern that um, that the, there might be some fatigue starts to come. Having said that, City's run in in the Premier League, apart from the Arsenal game, is pretty straightforward. Uh, it's certainly more straightforward than Arsenal's. Arsenal's still have to go to Newcastle. City don't have a game anywhere near as hard as that. I think they've both got to play Chelsea at home. But you know, Chelsea these days, I mean, certainly Chelsea under Lampard on Saturday were, were pretty dreadful. So even that probably isn't that that tough a game. So I think maybe some of those Premier League games, uh, you know, as, as, as we get nearer the end of the season, Guardiola can start to rest players or or do what he's been actually what he's been doing with Holland anyway, which is. Get a couple of goals, have half an hour off, and Holland clearly, I think, has been a little bit frustrated at that. That he'd like to keep on, yeah, you know, banging in more and more goals, and yeah, I'm sure he'd have had even you know, scored even more hat tricks than, than he already has if if that consideration hadn't been there and he hadn't been being rested for a, a third of a load of games. On that, Jonathan, like you, you even see the impact of Julian Alvarez off the bench last night, brilliant again. Uh, um, will Arsenal fans watching on? prefer do you think this City team to keep going in the Champions League they're in the FA Cup as well like is it a distraction or because of the strength and depth does it really matter I think if you're an Arsenal fan you want City to keep going absolutely because you you want them tired um, a distraction I, I think I, I sort of think distraction is a fair enough word if you're a sort of a, a team battling relegation um, that you know if if, if I don't know. Let, let, let me think of an example. If um, 
I mean, this is a long time ago, but Sunderland in 1992, when they got to the cup final, in you know, as a second flight side, clearly their league form was hammered by the cup run. And they, they weren't far off being relegated to the, to the third flight that season. And, and if they hadn't been in the cup, they would have been a, a comfortable mid-table side. So it was a distraction for them, all the emotional energy going into a, a small handful of games. I think in the modern game for teams near the top of the Premier League, you, you expect to be if you're in the if you're in the Premier League title race, Arsenal this season. It's a pretty odd circumstance not to be involved in Europe at this stage. I think it's just something you've got to got to expect. So I don't, I'm not, not sure distraction is the right word, but clearly it does take a physical toll. The more games you play, the more tired you'll be, the more chances are of injuries, and you know, no side is completely immune from injuries. So, yeah, De Bruyne went down last night and uh, and it looks for a little, a couple of minutes, it looked like it might be quite serious. And then you start to think, well, if, if De Bruyne's out, you know, do they have that same creative intelligence? Maybe not. Maybe it becomes easier for teams to frustrate them. Maybe everybody else has to work a little bit harder. Maybe that does have an impact. As it turned out, De Bruyne was fine. But yeah, they, they get an injury to, to Holland or De Bruyne or or Grealish, the way he's playing at the minute, particularly if Foden's not back. Um, maybe even John Stones or Diaz, the way he played last night. Maybe that does have an impact. So, so yeah, if you're an Arsenal fan, you want City to keep going. But I, I think it's more that sort of accumulated fatigue, potential for injuries, rather than being the sort of emotional distraction that we might have talked about with, with, you know, with smaller clubs going far in the FA Cup. So. The way that the draw is is set up, obviously, for Manchester City, if they go through, they play the winner of the the game um, tonight between uh, Chelsea and, and Real Madrid. Um, is this as well set as they've been? Are they as well prepared for what what challenges lie ahead in the Champions League as they've ever been under Pep? Yeah, I mean, you, you, you sort of think so, but then they have been really well set before and, and have just found a way to mess it up. I mean. You think last season, I mean, we were saying pretty much the same thing that the the, the game against Atletico, they they'd they'd shown that sort of um, uh, intelligence and game management. I guess is the polite way of putting it. That that sort of cynicism to to win that tie that we hadn't really seen from before. And you sort of thought, oh, okay, yeah, there's a there's a new side to them. And then yeah, they absolutely batter Real Madrid. They yeah, they, they they could have won that tie six 0 over two legs, and somehow end up losing it. Um, and and that was a you know a freakish thing to do with Real Madrid last season, where they they could pull out results from nowhere, and also City just mysteriously conceding goals. Yeah, you know, that first leg particularly, that was never a four three game. That could have been four nil. Um, and maybe that's you know if you think of where where the Real Madrid attacks came from that in that game, it was Vinicius getting away down the left, and maybe that's where this three two trapezoid defensive shape. Maybe that will help to counter that. That you you have that that player deeper in 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 a sort of semi right back slot to to, to stop that. Um, but I, I'm sort of look City City look great. They look brilliant last night. They're on this amazing run of form. That they scored. Well, they won the last nine games. Scored thirty odd goals in that time. Conceded three. Yeah, they're looking superb. But they have looked superb before and still messed it up. And Real Madrid, I think they're. Yeah, the, the, there is a sort of there is accumulated scar tissue from from last season. You don't quite know how that will play out. The game tonight, um, Frank Lampard has been regaling the team with tales from the previous time that a manager who was an interim manager came in and, and won the tournament, and um, that they've been talking about that. I, maybe maybe it works. Maybe. 
that rallying cry is exactly what this team of um, you know gifted professionals needed. Uh, if they were to be able to pull this out, it would be one of the great shocks that I can remember in world football. It would just be absolutely remarkable. And so we don't expect this. Like, how how can they how how can they win this game over the two legs? What needs to happen? I mean, they need to get the sort of look that Chelsea got in 2012. Um, I mean, look, they defended really well in that semi-final against Barcelona. I mean, that, that's the game that sticks in the mind of it just being abs- two absurd games of. Yeah, over the two legs, pretty much 178 minutes of constant Barcelona pressure and somehow Barcelona not scoring. Um, I think it's much harder to do that against this Real Madrid than against that Barcelona. Brilliant as that Barcelona were, the thing they were brilliant at was the build-up play. They didn't necessarily have a great finisher. When you've got Benzema in the sort of form he's in, you know, how, how do you stop him getting chances? Because if he gets chances, he will score. Um also, this Real Madrid, they, they've, they've just got, a, and we saw this last season, we saw it against Liverpool, they've got this tremendous capacity not to panic. Whereas Barcelona in 2012, you could see the panic, partly because of what they'd gone through in 2010 against Inter, of we got all the ball, we're having all the chances, we're not scoring, what's going on, what's, why is everything against us? Real Madrid have the exact opposite. They don't need the ball, they don't need chances, they just win games anyway. So I, I find it almost impossible to see how how Chelsea win this game. I think if Potter had still been there, there was a chance because um, the issue with, with Potter's sides wasn't the defensive side of it. It was it was taking chances. I thought against Dortmund, although they lost the first leg in Germany, I thought they played really well that night. You know, most days they'd have won that game. thought the second leg, very competent, very professional, get the two goals. I thought they probably shut up a bit too early, that, that they could have just kept going, that they, they ended up inviting a little bit of pressure then. But it was, it was a much more comprehensive win than 2-1 would suggest. And I don't think anybody doubts Graham Potter's capacity to, to set up a team defensively, to set up a team to, to thwart an opponent. And, and this is exactly, this would be exactly that sort of game. And then you hope that, you know, Joe Felix or, or Havertz or, um, or Mason Mount, if he's fit, can, can do something brilliant to, to nick you a goal. Or you get a goal from set plays and they've got a, you know, a lot of, of big physical players on that side. Lampard, nobody thinks he can set up a team defensively. There's been no evidence of that at all. Um, or, or not to, to, to also offer some kind of attacking threat. I know there's that run in his final season at Chelsea where I think they kept six clean sheets in a row. But three of those games were drawn nil-nil. Watching that game, I mean, I was at Wolves on Saturday and Chelsea were a shambles that day. And you sort of then, um, you sort of think, does Lampard understand what his role is here? Because he he said... Afterwards, oh, well, I've only been here a couple of days. You know, I can't sort out all the problems in that time. And you're still thinking, no, you're not not here to sort out the problems. You're here to sort of hold a hand and take them through at the end of the season. Changing the shape and changing how they play, which is what he'd done. You know, they'd gone from a back three to a back four. They'd gone to the sort of Chelsea shape that they they used when he was a player. Conor Gallagher was being used in in the Lampard role, a role I'm sure he'd like Mason Mount to be in if if he were fit. Why have you done that? The back three was was working. You know, the previous five games they they won three, drawn one, lost one. It wasn't it wasn't disastrous. Sorry, previous six games they'd won three, drawn two, lost one. There was there was a sense of of, of a system at work. They just weren't taking chances. Why have you ripped all that up? It would make sense if you thought you're going to be here next season and you thought you were building for the future. But that's not his job. His job is just to coax them over the line. 
um, and you know, and sort of try and regain a bit of a bit of momentum. Uh, yeah, put a smile back on faces. You know, and so to say, oh, I couldn't do anything in two days. His entire job is to do something in two days. His entire job is to come in and just sort of shake everybody up in the way that Solskjaer did when he came in at United when he was initially there in, in the in the caretaker role. So, uh, yeah, I, I'd be. I'd be amazed if, if Chelsea don't think You know, if, if if your midfield is getting outplayed by Wolves' midfield, how how do you expect to compete against Modric <laughs> and Kamavinga and, and Kroos? You know, it's just wait. not going to yeah. happen. I can't wait to see exactly what he does. Uh, great to have you with us, Jonathan. Thanks a million. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. OCB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. 